This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, this is kind of a special day in the spiritual arena. On this day, on the, on the 7th of August in 2005, was my first Sunday to preach here as the official pastor of High Desert Word Center. Actually, the first time I came out here was July 17th of 2005 to be interviewed and to be in front of the people since they wanted me to be the pastor. And so uh, that was a big day for us. That was my birthday, and that was the day that I became pastor. Then we went back to Indiana and had about three weeks to get things packed up, closed out, moved together, and then came here to California, 2,000 miles away from where we were. And we thought about the Beverly Hillbillies. Anybody ever seen the Beverly, Hill, Beverly Hillbilly show? All I know by the Holy Ghost was said, California is the place you ought to be. So we loaded up the truck and we moved to Barstow, <laughs> where we came. But anyway, I was just thinking I want to miss the pastor stand up here for a minute because uh, 14 years ago, we stood up here and said, Hi, I'm Pastor Samples. This is my lovely wife, Janice, and we're your pastors now. And so this, this is how we started. And I, 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 I just want to ask, I know there's, we, have, we have a lot of people... Uh, still the church that were here then, and they're not all the service today, some of them teaching classes, doing things, and I know Robert Susan's like our right-hand man for all these years, but uh, they, didn't, they weren't able to make it this morning, but if you were here in that first season we were here, that first Sunday, uh, et cetera, et cetera, stand up. We want to see some of you stand up. Since, since Cindy Rose teaching me, where, where's Chuck at? Well, I know Chuck. Chuck, Chuck was here. And, you know, lot, lots of people that were here. So anyway, uh, sure is good to be here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad Jesus sent us here. And what he's going to have me do today, thank you, Mom. What he's going to have me do today, I, you know, honestly, I didn't even think about any of this, but about a week ago, every time I spot for the Lord, I kept saw myself preaching that first sermon again. And so finally this week I went back and I keep all my sermons I've ever preached. I got, I got everything archived, filed away for man, the last 30 years. And so I went back, I dug back to 2005. I looked at what I preached on the 17th of July. Then I looked at what I preached on the 7th of August, my first Sunday here as the pastor. And the Lord had me bring those together to preach them again today in a way that fits in with where we are, but seeing what the Lord was saying then, because how do we know that Jesus is not double-minded? Amen. He doesn't change. Well, he's got plans for your life. You know, I can't hit buddy trails. i got to stay with it. But I want to tell somebody, if you're goofy, if you're not goofy, maybe this doesn't apply to you, but God doesn't keep changing his mind. You know, if you come up and tell me or somebody else, God called me to do this, God called me to do that, etc., etc., I talked to you a year later. I said, well, how's it coming? Well, uh, God's got me doing this now. I said, oh, you finished that other one? Uh, no, God changed his mind. No, you faced adversity. You faced challenges, and you quit. So you started over again. And so every time you start over again, keep on changing your career, keep on changing what you think you're called to do, then you're never going to finish anything. I remember one time years ago, I was a truck driver for a lot of years before I was a preacher, but I remember I was on a truck dock one day and 
talked to this truck driver, and he was like me. We just a couple truck drivers made good money. We weren't going to become millionaires driving a truck for somebody else. And then one day this guy says to me, you know what? I'm working on my second million. I looked at this guy. I thought, man, you're just like me. How would you ever make a million dollars? And I thought, wow. This, I, I, I'm driving trucks instead of talking to a millionaire. I said, wow. He said, I gave up on my first million, so I'm going to start on the second. And, you know, that's just like too many Christians. You say, man, I'm starting on my second ministry. I'm, you know, et cetera, et cetera, what it is you're changing, whatever you do, well, finish the first one first. And then let God promote you and you'll do it better. Amen? You can't keep on quitting and starting over again and ever succeed in life. I want to show you a couple things out of the bookstore. By the way, if you need an outline, hold up your hand. we got the ushers, got the outlines right there. They're ready to go. Uh, got several in the back, guys. We've got a guy back there, too, a little short usher. <laughs> anyway, if you need one, hold up your hand. And everybody gets an outline. Then I want to show you a couple things out of the bookstore that are really... Uh, really, they helped make me what I am. These books have been out for years. But this is by uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin called Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. And back in the 80s, Jesus gave that message to Brother Hagin, and he taught it, then wrote a book about it. But there's three different things talking about their plans. Number one, Proverbs says many plans in the heart of man, but it's the Lord's plan that will succeed. And so there's a lot of good Christian endeavors that people come up with, but they're not God's plan for their life. You know, it may have been for somebody else's life, and they thought, that sounds good, I can do that. Well, you can only do that if that's God's plan for you. Because when God has a plan for you, He gives you grace, which is His supernatural ability to do it. Then He gives you the anointing, which knocks things down and gets them out of the way and helps you get the job done. So number one, you got to know God's plan. That's in life. Let's come to California. We do God's plans. And then God's purpose. Then you need to know why he wants you to do what he wants you to do. Because if you know the why, then you'll be able to know you pursue the plan the right way, man. And then, of course, the last word, pursuits, that means go for it. When God shows you the plan, and then you know why, then go for it. So that, that's an excellent book, and I highly recommend that for anybody that's been double-minded, had trouble with your life, you're up and down and up and down, you're yo-yo, you never know whether you're up, whether you're down, which way you're going, roller coaster Christian, woo, you're high, then you're low, woo, you're up again, then you're down again, you never know where you stand. Well, when you're following God's plan with the purpose right, then you'll be level. Amen? You're not going to be up and down. And then this other book here is how you can know the will of God. How you can know the will of God. And if you're a person that hears other people talking about, well, you know, I, I heard God say this. I heard God say that. You're thinking, wow, I'd like, I'd like to know sometime. Are you really uh, not knowing for sure about job directions? Maybe move to another city. Maybe who you're going to marry. Just different things going on. This, this book here is really excellent for teaching you how you can know the will of God. To where in your heart you know what to do. And, you know, you think about us, what we're going to talk about today. I lived in Indiana for 54 years. And when the Lord had come to California, my dad and my mom was in a nursing home dying. And I had two teenage kids that stayed back with other people in Indiana because they were far enough long in life that uh, I knew if I forced them to come out here, they was going to be bitter. They probably 
try to find a way to hitchhike back home where they came from. And so for us to come out here in 2005, we had to know the will of God. And those books there taught me a lot about that from the Bible. As I've just said, the books that we have back there aren't just because it's a nice thing to have a bookstore. There's actually things back there to help you be a better Christian and be a victorious Christian because that's our purpose is to help Christians win in life. So anyway, those books are back there and lots of other good stuff. But anyway, God's plan and purpose for High Desert Word Center and your part in it. How many know that God doesn't just have you sit in a church just to be a bump on a log, but has you in a church to be a part of what God's doing? Because we are actually a team. We're a family, we're a team, and we're going to have to win together. And, uh, you know, I think about synergy. I heard about synergy years ago, and I've actually seen it in, in, in action back in Indiana. Synergy is uh, when two people pull together, they don't just get twice the results. It multiplies several times. You get three people pulling together, and it's not just three times stronger than one. It's really quadrupled. I mean, it's way up there high the results. And back in Indiana, we used to have... Uh, horse poles at the, at the county fair. We'd go see horse poles, tractor poles. But at the horse poles, we'd see a horse pole by itself, this big weight put behind it. And so then you'd hook up another horse with it and it wouldn't just go twice as far. It'd go like three or four times as far because it carry the weight too. they carry more of the load. So in the spirit, in the book of Deuteronomy, God said one will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight. And so we as Christians working together, you'll have more anointing for your family. You'll have more anointing and more power released in your life to take with you on your job, your workplace, where you go. Because you get together, something multiplies. It's a spiritual law, and God put it there. That's why he gave us a prayer principle, Matthew 18, 19. Jesus said, if any two of you shall agree. And so something happens when you're in unity and then, of course, that's, that, that's the theme of the Bible, the theme of the book of Acts, unity. The early believers did a lot of great things where they were in unity. That means they had the same purpose, they had the same mind, they had the same desires, and their total desires is we want to please Jesus. We know heaven's real. We know hell's real. We know eternity's forever. We know at some point in time Jesus is coming back. There will come a day, taught Old Testament, taught New Testament, where God's going to judge the whole earth going to come a day, but that's going to happen. So those Christians, the book of Acts, have one desire. We're going to be in unity. They got together, and they changed the known world at the time, just those Christians starting off over in Israel. And so today, the modern times we're in, there's a whole lot more people on earth today. And from what I see in the Bible, I think the world today is a whole lot more wicked and evil than it even was in any Bible stories you're going to see. But Paul said in the book of Romans, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And so the grace and the goodness and the love of God through a believer, especially through a body of believers, is much stronger, much more powerful than any evil you're seeing out there. Amen? Amen. Somebody clap or give the Lord a shout or something. And so today is, uh, like I said, the Lord gave this to me all week long, just kept on ministering my heart. So today to Jesus, I think, must be pretty significant in His eyes. That he got this church from floundering where it was, up on his feet, moving and going to do something. So this is very special to him. And so it's, it's special to me too. And so I hope it's special to you because Jesus uh, has a plan. He has a purpose. And I want to pursue his plan and his purpose. So, so anyway, uh, 
I want, I want to share with you what I preached here on July 17, 2005, on Sunday morning, before I was voted in as pastor. And so the title of the message was, I'm ready, how about you? I'm ready, how about you? And so I'm, I'm going to pray right before we open up our Bibles to Romans chapter 1. So just bow your heads and I want to pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I want to thank you for these last 14 years, for what all you've accomplished through a lot of men, a lot of women, a lot of young people that have your heart and want to see your will come to pass in their families in this region and around the world, and they want to be a part of it. As I share things today, Lord, I thank you for speaking through me. Lord, this is not to lift me up or anybody in my family. This is to lift you up. And this is to help people hook up and be a part of what you're doing. And Lord, any, any way you want to challenge them in their hearts to cause them to want to come up a level and do more for you and be used by you, then I thank you that's going to happen. And we just want to thank you. But all said and done today, all we're going to think about is we love Jesus. We want to do more for him. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. I'm ready. How about you? So Romans chapter 1, verse 1. I preached this on July 17, 2005. We flew out here for the first time to California from Indiana. And I think as far west as I'd ever been. I used to drive a mail truck, went to Kansas City, Missouri. That's as far as I ever went that direction. And then went to Oklahoma a few times of some things out there. But man, I'll tell you what, I never went any farther than that. Didn't want to go any farther than that. Because it wasn't even on my radar. I guess I had little faith. All I knew is California someplace I heard about the news. But it was another planet as far as I was concerned. It wasn't anywhere around Indiana. Because that's as far as I could see west. But then when Jesus got a hold of our hearts. Then we saw much further than what we've seen before. And so Romans chapter 1. The Lord had me preach this. On July 17th. says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle, separated of the gospel of God. And so, you know, when you're a Bible teacher, you see beyond just a few words, you see what's in the verse. And so Paul, his name literally means little one. Paul's name meant little one. And the, and the word servant in the Greek means bondservant, or literally a love slave. Bondservant, or a love slave, and, you know, a couple things in that word bondservant, love slave, that we don't really know where we live at. But I know in reading, I've been reading the book of Deuteronomy and studying it. And this week I saw the book of Deuteronomy that uh, the Lord every seven years had people forgive debts. And every seven years had people have a chance to start their life all over again with the assistance of other people. So the Hebrews actually had slaves that were Hebrew slaves, and the rich Hebrew families had Hebrew slaves. But then to seven years, they had to free the slaves. But some of the slaves loved the families so much they'd been serving, they didn't want freed. They wanted to stay working continually for those families, and so they were called bond servants. That's because they made the choice themselves they wanted to stay. And then also you think about back in the dark days of the United States of America, Back when we had the Civil War, the slavery, and bad things going on back then, a lot of those families that freed the slaves, the slaves said, no, we love you guys. We're family too. Can we stay? 
And so they stayed on to serve. They didn't have to anymore, but they were bond servants, loved slaves, because they liked where they were. And so Paul said, I'm Paul, a little love slave of Jesus Christ. I want, I want to show you what that means. It's going to help us. And so uh, Paul, well, for your fill of the blanks there, Paul, a little love slave of Jesus Christ. And so Paul, if you know his life when he was Saul, he was a servant to religion. He was in bondage to religion, to religion so bad that he killed Christians because he was bondage to the devil on the wrong side. He killed Christians and just, he, you know, it couldn't have been a good life to go around knocking. When you read the book of Acts, he was knocking on families' doors and dragging dads and moms out and putting them in prison to be killed while the kids lay stayed behind crying. He was a slave to that lifestyle. And I think about my life, identifying with the love slave part. I preach this, I want to tell you again. You're hearing it today, but I preached this on July 17th when I looked out here and nobody knew who I was. I was up here preaching. Copies, were you here that morning? Okay. That was good. Ray, was you here that morning? Ray was here that morning. Anybody else? Donna, you were here. Hey, man, I don't know other people were. But anyway, I didn't know any faces out there. And so what I'm sharing now, I haven't changed. I'm still who I was then. And so I preached this on that day there. And so anyway, I want to stay up my notes because this is good what I had. And so I, I said, Paul was a slave to those things. And this is how I've seen myself since January 29, 1980. I believe many of you do too. I used to be a slave to sin, Satan, bondage to all those things, to do whatever I wanted to with my life. And then when Jesus freed me, I was emancipated. I was delivered from being a slave to Satan. I was delivered from thinking I had to have booze. I was delivered to be perverted about things in life like a lot of sinner men are. I was delivered from all those kind of things. I was delivered from fear. I was delivered from having to do what people wanted me to do. But then I said, Jesus, I want your plan in my life. I want your will in my life. And so I still chose to be a slave to somebody else. Jesus became Lord and Master of my life. I said, Jesus, I want to work where you want me to work. I said, Jesus, I want to marry who you want me to marry. I said, Jesus, I want to live where you want me to live. In other words, I did what Jesus did. He said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. I became a love slave. I ended up leaving a taste of profession with a very reduced pension to follow the call of God. If I'd have done what was in my lineage to do with my family of truck drivers, teamsters, truck drivers, where I'd started, I ended up, I ended up a total of 28 years in trucking. But when I ended up leaving trucking, I gave up a whole lot of money and pensions and things I could have had but I knew that God did not want me to deliver freight anymore. He wanted me to deliver people. Amen. And so what I'm saying for you, I identify with Paul. Paul said, I'm Paul. I'm a little love slave of Jesus Christ. And so I became a love slave of Jesus Christ back in 1980. And that's why I ended up in California. That's why I ended up when I could, after I'd safely led my parents to the Lord, I knew they were born again. 
I knew my teenage children were taken care of, I'd say, okay, Jesus, I know my parents are going to go to heaven. I've got other brothers and sisters back in Indiana. They can take care of them. Lord, I want to fly back to Indiana as often as possible to go visit my parents and see them in their last days. But Lord, I know I belong to you. You delivered me from all those things that had a stronghold in my life. You delivered me, Jesus. And Jesus, I always prayed, I'll go anywhere. I prayed that long before California's on my radar. I said, Lord, I'm willing to go anywhere, to do anything, to be anything you want me to be. Just use me, Jesus. Use me. And I prayed that, and God evidently thought I was serious because he said, okay, I want you to go to California. And you know, right now I'm having reflections back on this date 14 years ago, but I didn't know a face out there. The only friendly face I knew was sitting right here. And you know what? She's still sitting right there. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Still sitting right there. And you know, a good thing since then, he has started sending my family back out here now. My, 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 my son, uh, two sons in the front row up here, they've both been to Bible school. Uh, Pastor Dave been to multiple Bible schools now. And, and Josh, all that training. And then they got two really anointed, good-looking young wives with them. Amen. And then, and then also, they're following in Dad's footsteps. They're being fruitful and multiplying, so they had the church growth yearly. And so that, that part changed. And then also, for you people that know my daughter Annie, Annie and her husband moving down here in September from Alaska. He's getting out of the Army, and they're moving down. But anyway, God has started making things nicer by having family come out. And so, uh, this is what Jesus has done at this point in time. And so I chose to make Jesus my Lord and Master. And now for nearly 40 years, I've been a love slave of Jesus. And I take the freedom from Satan and sin. He's given me and give it to as many others as I can. I like to pass what I've got. You know, what's that thing to say, uh, pass it on? I like to pass it on. When I meet people that are slaves like I used to be, I tell them how Jesus set me free. And now as a, as a pastor, I'm able to stand in front of groups of people and be able to share how Jesus set me free, how they can get it too. So anyway, I think about this lifestyle. And if you don't know, you know, by the way, many of you know what it is to be a love slave to Jesus because you've done the same thing I have. You said, Jesus, I'll be what you want me to be. And I know a lot of people in the church that serve, that serve in helps you work full-time jobs all day long. Come here and work at church at nighttime and do things. You work lots of hours, lots of days. You come in on weekends and do things, lots of things. You're saying, Jesus, I'm laying down all the running around to all the Disneys and all the stuff everybody else does. I'll do that on vacations. But I want to serve you, Jesus. And so you do those things. So a lot of you know what I'm doing. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to give you a verse. Just write this down. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, 29, and 30. Matthew 11, 28, 29, and 30. Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And then he said, My yoke is easy and my burden's light. And back in those days, you think what they were, you had oxen yoked together. And that doesn't sound to be very fun to be an ox. You can't do what you want to do. You got all that power and all that muscle. But you're hooked up to somebody else, and you got somebody behind you, you got reins on you. 
make you do what they want to do and you hooked up somebody else. Well, Jesus said to those guys, he said, take my yoke. He said, my yoke's easy and my burden's light. And so we as Christians have to know we get yoked up with Jesus. It doesn't make life miserable. It makes life very enjoyable. It makes life very peaceful. It makes life very easy. Because guess what? You're yoked up with Jesus. He's far stronger than you are. He's far wiser than you are. And those loads of cares, worries, anxieties about families, about money, about jobs, about whatever else tries to weigh you down, when Jesus is beside you, pulling you in the right direction, you're walking with Him, you don't even know you got a load. Anyway, so if, you don't, if you're thinking, well, that all sounds good about for somebody like you that you lay down your life and come this way, but I can't do this and I can't do that. Well, Paul said, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Be strong, Lord, and the power of His might. And so I'm saying this to you specifically to somebody out here who needs to hear this. The reason it's hard for you right now because you're trying to be strong in you. You're trying to be strong in the power of your might. You're trying to figure out what if, what if, what if. Well, in the kingdom of God, there's no what ifs. It's thy will be done in my life, in my family's is in heaven. And when you finally get to the place where you can live that way and make those choices like that, all of a sudden you're going to find out that's like a thousand pound weight came off your shoulders. All of a sudden things start working like they never worked before. People look at you and you're like the turtle on the fifth post. What's the turtle on the fence post? If you're ever walking through the woods and see a turtle up on top of fence post, you know somebody put it there, didn't get there by itself. In your life, in your life, there ought to be things going on in your life when people look at you and they say, there's no way. And you're, you say, you're right, there's no way. But there's one way, Jesus. Jesus did that for me. Amen? Amen, amen. And so anyway, I, I, I just think about all those different things I've seen Jesus do out here. We're going to see a lot of things. So anyway, are you a love slave for Jesus? Amen. How many want to be a love slave for Jesus? Be hooked up with Jesus and do it His way. And do you want to share this freedom with others? How many, how many have been delivered from the stupid stuff of this world and you know you've been delivered? You know, I don't know about you, but I like going to sleep at night and not having fear anymore. Not having fear about jobs, fear about money, fear about what if in the family, fear about the church, and not worried about things. I like that, and I love to share that with others, and I know you do too. And so, anyway, uh, you know, as, as, as something here I want, to, I want to tell you the Lord had me do that first service is this. Right before I came to California, I was at a, I was at a minister's conference, and there was a guy there they had speaking that was a, that was a college football coach. I told this story back in 2005. I've told it now so you know how to hook up with the rest of the sermon. And so this guy was a college football coach. And anyway, he told a really good story, whatever it was, but it stuck out with me that he said the way he got his players fired up and prepped for the big games, he said he got, he got this thing going. He would say, now guys, we're getting ready to go. I'm ready. How about you? And they'd say, I was born ready, coach. 
I was born ready. I had this happen on July 17th while I'd been interviewed to be the pastor. See, when I got the congregation started getting them hooked up with me like that. So here I am talking about Paul, love slave, working for Jesus. And then this congregation sitting in this church that I didn't know. I had them say, I was born ready. And so I was connecting with them to be able for us to come out here as pastors. Because I knew in my heart God wanted me here. And so to connect as pastors so we could do works for Jesus. And so that's the response for you. Are you ready now? Okay. I'm ready. How about you? Amen. Amen. Woo! Shout! All right. I was born ready, coach. I was born ready, pastor. I like that. Now look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. And Paul said, I'm debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise, to the unwise. He said, I'm ready to preach any people groups, educated, uneducated, no matter who they are, where they come from. I'm ready to preach to Hispanics. I'm ready to preach to Asian people. I'm ready to preach to whatever the people group is. I'm like Paul. I'm a debtor to Jesus for the human race. He delivered me. He gifted me. He called me. And is that how you are? You're a debtor? You don't look at anybody... Their education level, their color, their uh, ethnicity, origin, where they came from. But you just see, all I see is one thing. I see people. And I see like God sees, there's only two kinds of people in God's eyes. Either saved or unsaved. And so, if they're saved, I want to bring them up higher. If they're not saved, I want to come down to where they are to get light into them so they can come up. Amen. And that's what Paul said. And so anyway, he said, so as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Barstow also. I preached that back then. I said, I'm ready. I said, I'm debtor to all the Californiaites. I wasn't a knight yet in California. I was a Hoosierite. What's a Hoosierite? Well, Hoosier is what they call people from Indiana. Anybody ever heard of the hurrying Hoosiers or the Hoosiers from Indiana? And when I was in school, just we got time, so one little minor, one minute buddy trail. Well, I was in school, they was teaching history lessons. Don't know if it's so or not, but in history they taught us because they taught us. Now, how many know there's different uh, dialects, accents for where the country are? You know, I go down to Tennessee, man. Oh, do we have any Tennesseans here? Not offending you, but modified hillbilly Tennesseans sound like they got gravel in their mouth. And my family, my family roots are Alabama and Georgia. And man, down there, you better be a tutor. You don't understand anything. My wife's family's New England, Rhode Island. And when I married her back in 1982 for the first probably, man, at least five years or more, whenever we would visit her parents, I couldn't understand her mom. She couldn't understand me for probably three or four days and we finally caught on because the New Englanders are the smart ones that's supposed to be educated and know how to talk, but they don't pronounce the words how they're spelled. And so anyway, different, different, different dialects, different parts of the country. And I know when I was over in Russia and places I've been, you know, you think speaking Russian's Russian, and they spoke Russian over there was a Soviet Union, but everybody had their own dialect of Russian. So Russians, if they went from that neighborhood, couldn't even understand the Russian. So anyway, they taught us in school back in Indiana that uh, where that word Hoosier come from that they used today, they're called the Hoosiers, said back in the cabin, somebody knocked on the door, Said, said, who's there? They go, 
Who's there? Who's there? It was, who's there? So that caught on. So they started calling everybody Hoosiers. That's what they told us. Uh, for uh, Robin and Katie, why do they call Ohio people Buckeyes? Oh, well, I know we got more Ohio people here too. But anyway, that's the whole thing there. So I was a Hoosierite. I came from there as I was talking to the Californiaites. And so now I'm a Californiaite and we're preaching in California. And so, and so that's, that's, I was born ready. So he said, as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Barstow also, for I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Let me just tell you about that one verse right there. What's in that verse there? You know, I'm a pastor, but also I've gifted God to be a teacher. And I don't just casually read the Bible and just pass over verses of the stuff you need to see. And so Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Well, Christ wasn't Jesus' last name. Christ meant Christos, the anointed one with the anointing. He's the one the prophets prophesied of is going to come to be the deliverer of Israel and actually deliverer of the world. And so the, the anointed one is anointing means there's anointing in the gospel, the good news. And, you know, I, I think about the, made, the, the wonderful things God does, why it's called good news. Have you ever heard the expression when something good happens in your life? Say, Norma, that's too good to be true. You know what? That's the gospel. The gospel is too good to be true. It's too good to be true that last year at this time, I was still being treated for stage four blood cancer. Last year at this time, matter of fact, on August 18th, I had a heart attack of 99% of my main heart already blocked off. Well, you know what the good news is this year? My doctors have said 100% whole, healthy, no heart damage. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the anointed one is anointing. At one point in time, I was losing in every area of life that I come to Jesus Christ. I'm winning in every area of life now. I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel of the anointed one is anointing. Jesus is not another way. Jesus is the way. There's not, there's not many religions in the world, and Christianity is one of them. There are many religions in the world, but Christianity is not one of them. Christianity is about family and relationship. It's the family of God. It's called the Christian religion to a lot of people that don't really know what else to say. Religions are all about God, but without God. Christianity is all about God with God. He said our bodies are a temple of the Holy Ghost. He said it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so we don't have a God on the outside wanting to tell us what all we can't do. We have a God on the inside tells what all we can do because of him. Amen. I'm not ashamed to preach that gospel. I'm never going to fall for the lie. This is just one of seven great religions or six great religions or something. All those religions have kept their people in bondage, hurting other people. The Christian Christian religion says, I'll lay my life down for you because I lay my life down for the brethren. The Christian religion says, you can't steal it. Because I'm a giver, I'll give it. Amen. Christian religion says, 
Where's that 1-800-SUE phone number at? i got to sue. Christ religious says, I forgive. I bless. I love. I go the extra mile. That's what the Christian religion says. Amen? If it were religion. And so anyway, I'm not ashamed of the gospel that they don't want his anointing. For it is the power of God. The gospel of the anointing was anointing is the deutimus of God unto salvation. Salvation, word soteria, salvation means more than born again. It includes born again. It includes especially the number one thing, eternal life in your spirit. But salvation means deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, soundness, and health. Healing, soundness, and health. I'll let you know, I'm not going to have Alzheimer's. I'm not going to have dementia. God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but a part of love and a sound mind. And I'm keeping my sound mind. I'm going to walk all the days of my life my sound mind. And also, I'm going to live to be at least 85 years old, walking in divine health. And I'm going to have a sound mind. I'm going to enjoy life all the way through. I'm going to be preaching, loving Jesus, doing what God called me to do. I get up to 85 years old. If I want to keep on going for more, I'll ask Him for it. If I don't, I'll make sure I got everything take care of, take care of my family and everything. I'm going to say goodbye just like the Patriots Mold did. I'm going to gather them around. I'm going to lay my hands on. I'm going to bless them. That's my heritage in Christ. I have a better covenant than what the Old Testament folks had. If they can do it, and I have a better covenant, then I can do it. Amen. Amen. Somebody said, this is so strange. I don't know what I'm doing sitting here listening to this. But it feels right. You know why? That's because it's called gospel. Good news. It's too good to be true. And it's too good to be true for a lot of people because they watch too much goofy TV commercials. You know, the shows we like to watch, I noticed the shows we like to watch, they have the old people commercials about all the different pills and the medicines and all that kind of stuff. I've got a thing, and a modern thing, I may not be able to use the smartphones real good, but I'll use a remote and mute. I know how to do that. When I see him come up there and say, uh, if you got this, 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 you need this, 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 and this. But here's what it'll call. Well, wait a minute. Two or three of those things this might cause is what I'm trying to get rid of. So you're saying, if I do this, then two or three of the side effects are worse than what it was we try to get rid of? And you want me to hear that? I mute, 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 mute. And then besides that, I know three other letters called DVR. There's a lot of other stuff about that, but I know the DVR stuff. And so pretty much everything that we record, we watch, we record, and I go right through that stuff and don't even see them. And if by chance I see something other I do want to see, I know how to push start. And we just wait, and then we watch something we want to see. Why did I say that for? Because if you feed on that all the time, you think you've got to have Alzheimer's, you think you've got to have dementia, you think you've got to have liver trouble, kidney trouble, heart trouble, head trouble, money trouble. You think you've got to have all the things you feed on. But Paul also said in Romans 12, what, be not conformed to this world, be transformed. By renewing of your mind so you can prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. The Word of God is the perfect will of God for your life. He said he wants you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. I'm not preaching too much for you, am I? Amen. I didn't want to hit all the bunny trails, but 
you got to see this. So, it's, so the gospel is good news to deliverance. But look what he says. Qualified to everyone. No, it's not to everyone. To everyone that what? Believeth. You don't receive what I believe. You don't receive what your grandma believes. You don't receive what your fired up co-worker believes. You receive what you believe. And so today, when I've shared some of the things I've shared about different beings of God, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't know about that. Well, guess what? That verse doesn't apply to you then. Because it's for everyone that believes it. So when you said, I don't believe it, you just said, Lord, I don't want that part of it. You just said, I don't want to live long and have a sound mind. I just think that I'll grab some of that dementia. I don't want to live long and have a sound mind. Heart trouble runs in my family. I don't want to live long like that. I like to give all my money to doctors and prescriptions and fight Medicare. I don't. I'm going for the deliverance. I'm going for the safety. I'm going for the preservation. I'm going for the healing. I'm going for the soundness. I'm going for the health. And once again, somebody thinking, see, Jesus perceived their thoughts. Somebody thinking, I can't believe that. Well, don't worry about it. You won't get it. Isn't something I preached this on July 17th to people I didn't even know? But you know what? The bunch that heard, they must have liked it. Because I'm still here 14 years later, although some of them aren't. I am. And I'm still preaching the same thing. So anyway, uh, for the things that Paul said here, I can say this. I'm ready. How about you? You guys are slow learners. Uh, let's see. Who else, who else is here was here that day? I'm looking over. Donna. Where's Donna at? Donna, you were here, weren't you? All right. I remember that day. I saw your face, girl. You jumped right up. You said, I was born ready, didn't you? Amen. She's one of the first ones I remember. Precious little Donna is still precious little Donna, but she's got some precious little kids that are that big now and stuff like that. But, but she's a wonderful woman of God here all these years. So anyway, I'm ready. How about you? All right. So anyway, that was a little what I preached on July 17, 2005, to introduce myself to the people of High Desert Word Center, see if they wanted Pastor Jess and I to lead and to feed them. And they did, because we still are. And of course, that night, after a congregational question and answer time with us, how, how many here remember we had those, they had those tables set up here at the front? And man, I felt like it was one of those congressional committees. I didn't know what the people out here thought about us. I didn't know what they thought about word or faith, healing, prosperity, deliverance and victory. We set these tables up here, and there's questions out there. And everybody asks the question, I still remember your question, Donna, that we're still pro-life. We're going to stay Yeah, Donna. We're still staying pro-life. We're going to be pro-life. We love babies. We believe babies are babies at the time they're conceived. That was your question. Amen. Tell you what. And you know, what was kind of scary on the outside, when we come to California, for what all we heard about California out there, all I know is that you asked me that question. I didn't know if you was asking for the question that you wasn't pro-life or was pro-life. I just knew who we were, who God was. And when ask some, people ask me some of those questions there, you know, when you see all the congressional stuff on TV, they're trying to set politicians up all the time, make them say something to trip them up and mess them up. Well, you got to understand from our perspective, we're sitting up here at these tables 
They're probably somewhere, I don't know how many people were, what, 75, you think, or something like that. Pretty good, decent crowd that night. It went, a lot of these people here were answering these questions. All I do is I'm going to answer these things honest, what I preach, what I believe, what the Bible says. If this is not what this church wants, then I'll go back to Indiana and we'll see what God wants to do next. We had other churches interviewing us, so we answered the questions. That night, that Sunday night, they took a congregational vote and had, had a thing. One guy didn't want me. I don't think he liked the way I talked about the Ten Commandments. He wouldn't know what I thought about the Ten Commandments. I thought, man, how's he trying to set me up? I said, well, they're in the Bible. <laughs> I like them. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I remember that question. Anyway, and they told me he's the, he's the only one that said he didn't, he didn't want us. So it was 99, 99%. They said, we want you. But anyway, what was neat that night, after they did that and received us, then they had a birthday cake and a birthday party for the one that just became their new pastor. So that was really nice having a birthday party out here in California with all my family everywhere else. I had a birthday party with strangers who said become people we loved and they loved us. Somebody give the Lord a hand. I thought that was cool. That was pretty nice. And so now we're going to fast forward uh, to Sunday, August 7th, 2005. This is three weeks at 2,000 miles later because we had the Penske loaded up. We'd moved into a house here. And uh, the title of the first message as senior pastor of High Desert Word Center was, It's Harvest Time. It hasn't changed. It's, that was my first message here. And, you know, I want to tell you something about when you're following God. You don't ever follow the plan of God. And, you know, this is going to sound so weird to some of you that you may never get it your entire life. But if you do, your life will be so much better. You don't follow God based upon money. You follow God based upon his plan. And you follow the plan, the money shows up. I didn't even have a salary for three weeks when I got here. I had no idea what this was going to pay me. So after I was here three weeks, they sent me a salary. And we were somewhere in, I think, uh, Arizona or Colorado. This was when cell phones that first started becoming common. We did have a cell phone. And uh, the people that were on the board hired us called us and said, Oh, by the way, we found you a house and we think you're going to like it. you want to know your new phone number? And so I'm just telling you, you follow God. You just follow the plan of God and let God lead you how he wants to. And so we found out about our house while we was in a truck on the way out here. Then we found out about our phone number on the way out here. And then because when we left California, we would break a car. We gave our car away. We didn't even have a car for a month when we got here. But the thing was, we didn't come out here based upon finances or natural necessities. We came out here based upon the fact that the gift and cause of God about repentance. God gifted us. God called us. God trained us. And he said, the people of California need your gift. And so I'm sending you to a church in California. So that's, I'm just telling you for your own life, I've seen so many people try to follow God, call a God of their life. And I've actually heard people, when God opened a door for them, that wasn't big money or something, I've heard them say, uh, God wants to do that, but I can't afford to do it. You can't afford to be in the will of God because of a couple bucks. You'll never go anywhere. You know, I'm the same pastor that came here 14 years ago. I preached this 14 years, and I'm preaching now to help people know how to follow God. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to follow God. And it may seem to your thinking that's costing you right now in the short run, 
But by the time you get to the finish line, it really, really is awesome. I see where the Lord's going now, so I, before I flip this next one, I was sitting this, this morning looking out at my 10 acres where I live now, the place we own, 10 acres with our lake, our pistachio orchard. Uh, I needed equipment to work on it, so I got a really great deal, a great big tractor for a big scoop lot to move sand around. I know there's sand in the desert. It gets in the way. Got that. Got a big grader on the back of it. I got a road. That's my road in my property. And then need a dump truck. And Jesus blessed me with a dump truck we delivered to my place yesterday. He put stuff in, move it around. And I think, well, this is the guy that came to California, didn't even have a car, didn't even have a house, didn't have anything. And now here we are, fast forward 14 years, got a very awesome place. I have people come out there we minister to, and they watch the ducks. They watch the wildlife we got everywhere. They watch the big fish jump and the things going on. And they say, Pastor, this is just full of peace. Oh, this is such a peaceful place. Well, it wasn't that way 14 years ago. We came out here not caring about the money part, not caring about the natural uh, comfort luxury part. But look what happened. The Bible's true. God's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And so I wouldn't even have told that story if it wasn't being that there's people in here that God's put things in your heart He wants you to do. And you're ignorant enough to think, I can't afford to do that. God knows you can't. That's why he said in Mark 9.23, all things are possible to him that believeth. When you believe in Jesus and you believe that his plans are higher than your plans, when you believe that his ways are higher than your ways, and then when you pray pray prayers like Jesus, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything, I'll be anything you want me to be, just show me, Jesus, I'll do it. And then he shows you, well, Jesus, that must not be you because I can't afford that. Jesus wanted you to do that because it took faith to do that. Faith pleases him. So when you saw you couldn't afford it, but you knew in your heart this is the plan of God, you followed that, then you just stepped into that faith world. And that's when miracles start happening. I've done better preaching than you are shouting. Okay, it's harvest time. Look at John chapter 4. Now, this is August the 7th, 2005. We had just arrived out here one week ago. Spent the first week unpacking stuff, getting ready. Had our house over on Howard Drive. And so then, here I am. These people haven't seen me for three weeks. And so pretty Mrs. Pastor and I, isn't she pretty? I love that lady, man. She's my, she's my, she's the wife of my youth. And so we, here we are. Now we're the pastors of High Desert Word Center. And now these people that saw us show up three weeks ago, now here we come back out here. And then some of them said, he talks too fast. Some of them said, what's he said? I don't understand him. What part of the South is he from? Well, we adjusted each other where I slowed up and how I talked. And their ears perked to how I talk. And it's the same way with all of you. We've all kind of melted together. We've bonded together as family now where we understand each other better. But here we are. And this is my first sermon as the pastor. And I said that so you can see how critical this was, the verses that Jesus gave me. And so John chapter 4, verse 38, he said this. 
I sent you. Well, that's good to know. He sent me. They didn't hire me. He sent me. I sent you to reap that wherein you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you're entered to their labors. How many know there was a lot of labor before I got here? All these buildings, all this work out here. He said, I sent you. They've done all the work, and I've sent you now to be a part of what they've already done. But listen to this. Now, this, this is going to bless you. The Lord gave this to me in June. A month before I even came out here and before I even knew about this, he started giving me verses about the future of our ministry. And so he gave me this in June of 2005, a month before we came to California to interview about possibly becoming new pastors. And when he gave this to me in June, I can't remember the church that we've been interviewed with. Big church in Florida was talking to us about possibly coming down there for an interview. Had a church in Idaho was interviewing us, had a church in Texas. We had lots of churches that we were talking to. But when this California church opened up and called us and we talked to them, all of a sudden in our heart, the Lord gave me this verse. And that's why we immediately knew California is where God wants us to go. But the thing is, there's going to have to be a lot of people in California know it too. They had to know it. And so this verse, I'm going to tell you something now about this. When you know a little bit about the Bible, about some different tenses of the Bible, the written word of God, what you're looking at, those pages is called logos. That means the written word. Everybody can read the logos, the written word, get something out of it, because it's the Bible blesses you, does good things. But then there's called the rhema. That's the spoken word of God. Well, this verse was a rhema to me. That was just me reading the Bible's on the pages. That was Jesus coming off the pages and said, hey, this is me talking to you. He said, I'm sending you out there to California. I've sent you. See, God always talks past tense because God sees the ending from the beginning. And God said, I've sent you. And he gave me more verses along those same lines. I'll, I'll talk about talk about some other time. He said, I've sent you. And so when I came to California to be interviewed, I already knew this is where God wants me. But when you live in an earth suit, you start to deal with the emotions. All I was hoping and praying was these people here have got to know it too. If they don't know it, then I know it. Then I know God will have a plan B. But the California people, they've got to know it too. And so praise God they knew it. So he said, I sent you to enter into what they've already done. And I praise God for that because this church, what is it, 45 years old? 40, this church is 48 years old. So 14 years ago, it was 34 years old. Church already been here. A long time. Matter of fact, would you guys believe we've got a couple of this church that was married with this church was meeting in a school over at Newberry Springs? Did it that Janelle Copey was going to this church way back a long time ago at Newberry Springs when it was in a school? Let's give a hand for the Copies. Yeah. I think Dennis probably had a different color hair, maybe a little more of it back then, but main thing about it, they've been faithful to be where God planted them all these years. They're faithful to the call of God in their life to be a part of the church, et cetera, et cetera. And they worked in the nursery for I don't know how. How long did you guys work in that nursery? 30 years or something? <laughs> I don't know. A long time. They, ch- they, changed, they changed a lot of diapers and held a lot of babies for a lot of years 
in that nursery there. Now they finally got promoted where they get to just enjoy some other things. <laughs> but anyway, the church has been here a long time. And so that word was a, was a rhema, God speaking to me, knowing where we were going to go. Now go back to verse 34. And this was Jesus' plan 48 years ago for this church. This is Jesus' plan 14 years ago for this church. This is Jesus' plan right now for this church. And nothing's changed. People have changed. Leadership has changed. Pastors have changed. But Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And so verse 34 says this. Jesus saith unto them, My meat or my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And so I want you to get the picture again. I'm here, the new pastor, and I'm telling these people, some of them been here for all their adult lives, they're out here, they don't know me yet. And they went through several pastors, and right before they, I came here, they went through a lot of hurt. There were a lot of wounded people in this church, wounded leadership, people hurt. That really just a lot of them just went through a lot of things. And I'm standing up here, the new pastor. I said, I want to tell you right now, my food is do the will of him that sent me from Indiana and to finish the work the pastor long started. And then other pastors over the year had come in and carried it a little further, a little further, a little further, and things happened. But I told him, I'd see it when I was born, Harry Truman was president. And you know, some of you don't know what's, what's, what's a Harry Truman. Well, he was a president when I was born. But Harry Truman had a sign at his desk they talked about, said the buck stops here. And so he said, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And if it goes good, I'll get the credit for it. If it goes bad, though, I'm not saying, hey, those last guys, it's their fault. When I got here, that was my whole thing through all the pastors. I never badmouthed any pastors at all, and I'd never do that or any leadership. All I said was, I'm going to finish. These guys got us started. Praise God for all the musicians this church had for all those years. They kept it going. Praise God for all the Sunday school teachers. All the worship leaders. I've known a few of the worship leaders here before. Praise God for all the other ministers that came out of this church that are doing other ministry at other churches now. Praise God for that. I said, they got this started. They kept it alive, so praise the Lord for that. But I'm going to finish. And you know what I realized? And you know, I just want to tell this for all of you. I realized that because I wasn't the first choice, if I don't stay serious, I won't be the last choice either because God's going to finish it. He'll send somebody else in if I don't. And so I've decided I don't want to be the one they say, well, you know, Pastor Samples was out here 14 years. He kept it going for a while. I'm not going to be the guy that's here 14 years. I'll be the guy that's going to be here till the rapture takes place or till I live to at least 85 years old, give up the ghost and go to heaven. And then my family and you are going to be here. This thing's going to go. Go do what God wants it to do. Jesus is not double-minded. Hey, man, you guys can clap. That's fine with me. And so anyway, Jesus said he's called to win souls. He's going to finish what God called him to do. This church is a soul-winning church, number one. This church is discipleship church, number two. We not only win people to Jesus, we show them 
how to stay saved and how to serve Jesus. And if they're called to be leaders, how to be leaders for Jesus. But that's the main thing. So I'm going to finish what was started here. And so all the different trials and pastors and all those things that happened, High Desert Word Center is a harvest center. This is a place that brings people to Jesus. This is a place that looks out beyond the four walls and finds ways to get the gospel out. And so I'm ready to finish what Jesus started. How about you? Glory to God. These guys are getting better than what they were in 2005 even. That was pretty good. I like that. I'm going to say it again. I'm ready to finish what Jesus started. How about you? That sounds so good. Give yourself a hand. And now verse 35, he said, say not ye. And so when I see that, when Jesus says, don't say something, I'm not going to say it. And I'll bring this down to modern talk. I, I, those notes I have in 2005 were awesome. And so I'll bring this down to modern talk in just a minute when I got off my notes. He said, don't say there's yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. They are right already to harvest. And so Jesus said, don't say it's not time. And so I had my notes back then. I didn't know much about California, but I want to obey what Jesus said. So listen to me. He said, look on the fields. Well, back where I came from in Indiana, they didn't just have alfalfa fields. That's all I've seen out this area is alfalfa fields. We had corn fields, wheat fields, soybean fields, tomato fields. All kinds of fields out there. And I got two sons that are professional farmers. That's what they do. And so they can tell you all the stuff about it. But I remember on the corn, there's something about the corn. The tassels do something or something where you watch the corn. And you don't say it's not harvest time. So if those tassels turn that color, start doing what they do, if you don't harvest that corn, it rots on the field. We got pistachio orchard now. Mrs. Pastor is going to be the pistachio orchard because I take care of the lake and other things. And so she's taken a potter. She's learned about pistachios. And she's talked to some big-time pistachio people the last couple of weeks. And she's learned things about see when it's ready to harvest them because we bought the place last year. They let it go past that. And we had about 100 trees full of pistachios, but they're no good because they didn't get harvested one time. And so listen, Jesus said, look on the fields. And so I had my notes, my first sermon, I told the congregation, I said this, if you work at the marine base, look on your field. If you work at Fort Irwin, look on your field. If you work at the railroad, look on your field. And back then, Donna was working at the school. I said, if you work at the school system, look on your field. Jesus said, on your field, it's harvest time. He said, don't say it's not harvest time. On your field, where you work at, whatever you do, that's your field. Jesus said, open up your eyes and look. It's white for harvest. How many here have been born again long enough to know that you want to stay hot all the time? But there's been times in your life you've been more hot for talking about Jesus to people you know than other times? Have you ever noticed those times when you're fired up and you're ready? I think about the Walmart field. That girl stays fired up all the time. I tell you what, you want, you want to get somebody saved, take them to Walmart and find Irma. Back when they made them say, Happy Holidays. Herbert was a happy holiday lady. It was Merry Christmas. Yeah. Hey, man, you remember those days when it was Happy Holidays? Praise God the tide turned. 
But anyway, what I'm saying, Jesus, talking to me 14 years ago, is talking to me now. I'm telling you right now, be hot. Look out on your fields. Jesus said there's people out there right now that are ready to be harvested, but somebody has got to be spiritually sharp enough, like a threshing machine, the harvest, that's what it says, we're like a threshing machine. Somebody has got to be sharp enough to recognize I could push past this phony facade they got on the outside, and all I have to do is begin talking to them, something's going to break. Amen. And so whatever your field is, 14 years ago, it's harvest time. 14 years later, it's harvest time. That's what Jesus said. And so anyway, he said, look, it's white already to harvest. And so then he says, now look at this. I like my note on this here. This was so good. I wouldn't think of it now. I didn't think of it then. The Holy Ghost gave me what I'm getting ready to tell you. Here I am talking fast again. No, I'm going to slow down because I'm not in the end anymore. They talk fast out there, but we talk slow here. Okay. Process communicator. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. Both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Here is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. One soweth and another reapeth. And so what Jesus had in my notes back then, I never thought of it. But I liked it this morning what I read at my past sermon. I'm going to tell you again. Jesus said that you're going to reap where other men have sown. And one, one sows, one reaps. And God gets the glory for it. And so he said this. And I don't know if you've experienced this like I have. But I was a truck driver. I used to witness everybody everywhere they go. I would, I would preach to people at the drop of a hat. And I'd drop the hat so I could preach. And so... How many here have ever met somebody, a stranger, or somebody else, and second, I pray for you, and immediately they let you pray, and you led them to Jesus? And you thought, boy, that was easy. That was so easy. And sometimes you think, that's because I'm so spiritual. Well, what the Lord said here was this. Those easy things that happen in our lives like that sometimes, because somebody else has already sown into them. They've got somebody been praying for them. Somebody been sharing the gospel and you cross their path, and then you cross their path, and you get to pray for them. You think, man, that was easy. No, Jesus said, somebody else already sown. It was easy now because it was harvest time for them. And then how many then have ever had people in your family or people in your neighborhood or on your job, you've witnessed to them for years and years and years and years, and you think, no breakthrough. These people are thinking nothing. These people can't stand anything. They won't listen to anything i got to say. Yet every time you're around them, you feel like, man, all of a sudden you're preaching again. You're talking again. You're sharing things again. And nothing happened. And then one day, you find out somebody from 10 buck 2 led them to Jesus. And now they're going to the church over here. But that person that did the leading, it was easy for them because you sold for years into that life. And you want, you want, you want to be the one that prayed with them. You want to be the one that they came to your church. You want to be the one that got the job done, but Jesus said, that's not how it works. He said, one sows, one reaps, but God gets the increase. And so I just want to say that as an encouragement to you. The Lord had me preach this in 2005 and tell you this again. You're talking to these unsaved loved ones, been doing it for praying for them. 
These people you work with, you're side by side with them, you're sharing things, you're doing things, and you keep thinking nothing's happening. On the inside, it is happening. And then when that stranger comes out of nowhere, and all of a sudden they have a connection, they say, can I pray with you? Well, all that work you've done all these years, it's harvest time. They pray with them. It happens just like that. And then they get to give the testimony. This person starts going to their church and they say, you know what? This person is such a tender-hearted person. Man, they just love the Lord for all their heart. But you saw them for 20 years after they couldn't stand you or anything about your lifestyle. Can you see what I'm saying? Amen. So Jesus said, that's how this works. That's where this we are in this church. But this point in time, I close with verse 38. I sent you to reap. That word, you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, you entered their labors. And so anyway, after 14 years, Pastor Janice and I are still here. We're as hot as ever for Jesus. And we're excited to finish his work. That's what we're doing. And so, uh, got some of our family on the front lines now. More family coming in. And so this is the closer. It's harvest time. I'm ready. How about you? Amen, amen, amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.